This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you are up early, well, damn. Yeah, telephone number 800-848-WABC, 800-848-WABC. So much to discuss today. I'm assuming that the Super Bowl is tomorrow. Because I just keep seeing stories in it. And I'm assuming that Philadelphia is one of the teams playing. And who, who else, who else is, who else is playing in it? Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, yeah. That should be exciting. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then I see that I know who's doing the halftime show because I saw articles that Donald Trump has been going on the warpath about Rihanna. So I guess it's Rihanna that's doing the halftime show, and he's been saying she has no talent. Uh, you know, if she didn't have a stylist, I guess she would be blah, blah, whatever. So not happy with the choice of the halftime performance. Coming up this week is Valentine's Day. There's there are so many anti Valentine's Day uh, articles. There's a big one in the Daily Mail today. So later on, we're going to get that. If Derek Hunter is awake, we usually I, I usually don't try to call Derek, but if Derek is awake already, um, maybe he'll let us know, and we'll because there are some things that I definitely want to talk about with Derek. Including Derek Valentine's Day. I came across a suggestion for many of you guys out there as, as to what you might, un, an unusual gift idea. And I just happened to stumble upon it doing uh, show prep in the wee hours of this morning. Noam talked about a story that I want to talk about, that New Jersey uh, restaurant. Banning kids. I want to talk about that with Derek because Derek has young children too. And then, of course, there is the horrible, horrible story about Adriana Kunch. This is the teen. This is this young girl who committed suicide after being bullied in a New Jersey high school. Kicked, dragged, punched in a New Jersey high school hallway. Well, four of the uh, teenage girls involved in this horrific beating have now been hit with new charges. With they with they are have been arrested. One is now charged with aggravated assault. 
could face court as an adult, another with harassment, and two with conspiracy to commit aggravated adult uh, assault. She was smashed in the face, according to her father, three times with a water bottle. She blacked out. He had to take his blood-covered daughter to the police station to file a report because the school wouldn't do so. And there, this principal, this superintendent of schools, there is something odd about this. The superintendent. Superintendent. Is that what I said? It is. The superintendent has gone on the has gone to the press, Daily Mail, and he is. I don't want to say smearing. I don't know truth or not, but he is going public with what he says are details of the father. Like the father had an affair, as he's saying, at the end of her sixth grade. Her father married the woman he had an affair with, moved into her house, and her this girl's grades declined in the seventh and eighth grade. They offered her drug rehab and mental. This is the kind of stuff you are not supposed to be saying about this girl is dead. This 14 year old dead is dead. And you have the superintendent of schools trashing her while she's dead and trashing the family. I don't understand this. There's something weird going on in New Jersey at central regional high school in Bayville, New Jersey. There is something very wrong in Bayville. I don't know how this guy, the, the superintendent of schools, can do this. Derek Hunter is awake. So I tell you what, let us do this. Let us, we will take a break early because there's so much I want to talk about Derek. Which now, you know, also this week, and just so you know, Diego, we're going to be doing a lot of, of, of um, back rack music because I didn't have enough the other day. And Carol King wrote a beautiful, beautiful op-ed in one of the main, I think it was either Washington Post, or New, I think it was Washington Post or New York Times. She wrote a beautiful op-ed about uh, Burt Bacharach. And so I'll read parts of that a little bit later. So here we are. WABC Talk Radio 77, Crown Jewel of American Radio. We're coming back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. If you see me walking down the street and I start 
The music of Burt Bacharach, the iconic voice of Dionne Warwick. Bert Bacharach passed away this week. We are going to play a lot of his music today. And as I mentioned, Carol King wrote a beautiful op-ed in, in his memory. So we'll get to that. Derek Hunter is awake and on the line. The one and only columnist, author, and himself a radio host. The last guest host, new guest host that we had for the Rush Limbaugh program. And a dear friend, Derek Hunter. And we... Wake Dick, we try to wake him up every Saturday. Sometimes he beats us to it. Hi, Derek. Oh, James. I like the way you said, oh, we'll call him, we call him if he's awake. No, you don't. <laughs> you call me whether I'm awake or not. And you wake <laughs> me up many times. My, I go to bed wearing my Apple Watch just so I can feel it vibrating when you guys are calling me. So I don't Thank mind you. it, but I get a kick out of the way you frame it. <laughs> Derek. I have to ask you this. There's some political stuff in the news. Um, I'll just give you two headlines real quick, but that's not what I want to ask you about first. Uh, in your neck of the woods down there in the Beltway, uh, Maryland has a, a legislator, legislatorress there has authored a new bill that would let health care providers vaccinate children without their parents' consent. That is now in the Maryland legislature. Also, there is Karen Tumulty's uh, piece today in the Amazon Prime Washington Post, her opinion piece that the GOP establishment is going all in to beat Donald Trump. She questions whether it will work or not. I'll ask you about that. But before I do that, our very own... Which one do you want? Look, Maryland legislature is a kid in a candy store right now. As sad as it is to say... The only accomplishment of Larry Hogan's eight years is, as governor is he sort of held some of the liberal insanity in check with the veto pen. Um, they had a, a, enough people in the state legislature, Democrats did, to override any veto, but even they had some proposals and some weird ideas that didn't go anywhere. Now they don't have that. Uh, governor, so to speak, on their insanity, they have a member of their own insane tribe as governor. So there could be uh, this is this is like Christmas in July. This is, you know, get your wish list in and let's give it a shot. So, of course, they want to force vaccination on everybody. They still believe vaccinations work. There's always a threat in Montgomery County, Maryland. They're going to reinstitute mask mandates. I mean, that's how far gone these people are from reality. So I wouldn't put a, a, a whole lot of stock in it. Anybody can introduce crazy legislation, but um, we've got a crazy party in charge. It's really now just a matter of whether or not they'll have enough time to get to it. Thankfully, the Maryland legislature has a very strict 90 days and it automatically turns into a pumpkin legislative calendar that they can't do anything to stop. And a lot of times, really bad bills don't get done simply because the clock runs out. Mm. On the 
on the le- on the. Uh, Hold on, before you do Trump, I want to introduce something else to you. I'm, right. This one, I even have more interest to hear what you have to say than about the Trump stuff, because you are a dad, and because you're a dad of young kids, and so there is a restaurant in Tenton Falls, New Jersey, Nettie's House of Spaghetti, and they have now made a decision to ban children under the age of 10 because those children, because, well, I'll read you what they say, Derek. They said, we love kids. We truly do. But lately, it's been extremely challenging to accommodate children at Nettie's between noise levels, lack of space for high chairs, cleaning up crazy messes, and the liability of kids running around the restaurant, we have decided that it's time to take control of the situation. We know this is going to make some of you very upset, especially those of you with very well-behaved kids. But we believe this is the right decision for our business moving forward. So kids under 10 will not be welcomed, seated, or served. You're a dad. What do you think? What, what if if what do you think about this? Well, it's what I believe in private property. If this is what they want to do, the sad couple things are is first of all spaghetti. That's kids. One of the few things kids will universally eat is puschetti. So uh, <laughs> you're kind of screwing yourself out of that because parents will just go there because you go to another restaurant, you try and you order something new for the kids and just waste it. So at least they know they'll eat that. But, you know, this is the problem with a lack of discipline of kids. It's a polite way. The message you just read is a very polite way to tell parents you suck at parenting. You're really bad at parenting. Knock it off. Discipline your kids. Stop with the throwing of the food and the throwing of the temper tantrums. And kids shouldn't be running around anywhere. Discipline starts at home. But they can't say that. They said, you know, most some kids are really well behaved. Wink, wink. Implicit with that is, but the rest of them are jerks, and you've ruined it for everybody. I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I've been in restaurants with my kids where there are other kids where I really wish they'd been banned. So, <laughs> okay, what do you do when your kids act out? I mean, I'm assuming that they do once in a while because they're kids. Maybe the hundred kids don't. I don't know. Maybe Derek is just so stern, and uh, I don't. You're not a stern guy. You're a fun guy. So I'm imagining that your kids must, on occasion, like every other kid growing up, act out once in a while. What do you do? They absolutely do act out, but I acted out, and I learned from my mother, and mostly my mother, and my father. To my father was great with the look. That was all. He didn't need to say anything. He just gave you the look, and you're like, oh. I don't, all right, I better stop. My mother gave me that whisper yell, and I'm pretty good at the whisper yell. Knock it off. Or you are going to get it. That sort of thing. And like, you know, it doesn't take much to startle, especially when you are, you know, very relaxed and, and casual. And, and then when you turn that on, it's such a stark contrast to the way that things normally are. They realize that I've done, they've done something out of the ordinary, and they better knock it off. If they don't, then whatever it is that they've got or whatever it is that they want or whatever it is, that's, they lose it. It's done. If it's 
You know, you're not going to get the iPad when you get home. You're taking away the crayons at the restaurant. And nobody's going to give a damn. And I will. I am not. A, they know that I am not above. All right, we're getting this to go. We're leaving right now. You know, they enjoy going out to the restaurant, even if they don't eat the food that they make me waste my money on. But I will leave. It's that simple. Do you? Do you? Um, okay, this is. You know, I'm sorry. To, I'm going to get intrusive here with the questions. Do you ever pop them? Do you ever have to pop them? <laughs> Just. Like a right chin to my five-year-old? No. No, I, no. I Pop them. Oh, I have spanked a butt. Okay. They hit each other. They'll fight each other, and you, you just watch it escalate. You tell them to calm down, and then one will just, like, in a, in a way, a kid, the way a kid hits, a little kid hits, is like the way that somebody who's never played baseball, an adult who's never played baseball, throws. You know, they just kind of <laughs> fling their whole arm at it. But, you know, one hits the other and they start crying, and you're like, that's it. Get over here. Swat them on the butt. Put them in the corner. And they they don't really know what they did wrong. They just know they did something wrong. And eventually they'll connect the dots. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember the last time I was spanked. I you was do. at a, a, a Kmart with my dad and my mom, and I wanted something. I don't know what it was, some kind of toy, probably related to Star Wars. And uh, I was throwing a fit, and my dad told me if I didn't knock it off, I was going to get it when I got home. And I didn't knock it off, and he said, "That's it. When we get home, you're getting a spanking." And then, then of course, way too late, I began to act properly. And when I got home, I got it. One swat. My dad drove a forklift for General Motors for thirty years. He had those. He had the just giant ham hock hands. He left an impression in every possible way. Just one swat, you know, I was probably, I don't know, nine or ten. It hurt. And that was it. Next, All I needed after that was the, do you want another one? And no, I did not. <laughs> oh, I had it so much worse than that. I used to get, uh, yeah, I, I used to get the belt. And and, and I deserve. Yeah, I, I was not a hor. I was I not got away a, with it because I was good. I hit it well. You were sneak, like my brother. Yeah. yeah. I was just stupid and out in the open with my stuff, and and so they would tell me things. I mean, and I used to Derek. I used to get it for the same thing over and over again because I didn't learn. It's like the the thing that the thing that probably caused me to get physically disciplined more than anything else, was getting on my bike and going away and staying away for hours, and nobody knew where I was. And time and time again, they would tell me, James, do not do this. Do not. We have to know. You need to check it, James. And what would I do? I would. So I would get a spanking or something, and then I'd do it again. Well, I remember one time I was away all day. I come back. The whole family's, like, dressed up in suits. And, and, and good clothes and everything. Something had happened. Someone had died and they had to go to, you know, pay respects to a family. And this had all transpired since when I had left home. Man, I got, oh. <laughs> you know, that was, those were great times when you just took off on your bike. The boundaries were the, the main roads for, for us. And uh, they had the intercoms. Because you wouldn't see me. Somehow we managed to go without bottled water 
or vitamins or sunblock or anything. Or for helmets. Hour, hours, yeah, and helmets for hours and hours and hours. And then everybody had their own intercom system before cell phones. My mom would go out into the backyard and just yell my name into the sky. And I don't know, the birds would tra- retransmit it, but somehow I'd hear it. It was a strange disturbance in the force. And I had to go home, and I just, you, you just did it. You, oh, man, you hopped on your bike and you rode home. My friend Jay's dad had the loudest whistle I've ever heard, and that carried. And you're like, oh, Jay's dad just whistled for him. He's got to go home. And they all kind of had to go home at the same time. But this is a different time. I don't think a lot of young people listening, especially your producers, realize that, you know, this is when community meant the people who lived near you. Didn't matter what they looked like, didn't matter where they were from. And so you had to, like, be semi-behaved all the time. You you weren't out. Every once in a while you get your hands on a book of matches and you try and start fires or you'd find old uh, firecrackers after Fourth of July and you'd blow things up. But mostly we're just trying to ride wheelies as long as we could and play baseball or football at the school. And for hours and hours and hours, and uh, it was a, such a better time. Now you bubble wrap your kids when you send them downstairs. It's... Yeah, we didn't have this thing called play dates. We just went out to play. We didn't have yeah, play dates with Remember anybody. We, we, just... rode your, we rode our bike up to our friend's house and, like, Jay, just scream their name from the Yay. driveway. And somebody would yell, Jay's not home, or Jay would come out. Like, that was it. You had to actually go, all right, well, I'm going to have to ride my bike until I find Jay. Exactly. He did, he did not like he went to California for the weekend. He, he was somewhere in the boundaries. And parents, look, I remember, and this, I, I shudder because I know this would never happen today with my kids. When I was, when I was barely preteen, I think, or maybe just a little bit older, I could ride the bus in the subway where I wanted to go. Mm. I would often go with the friend. And, and, and me and my friend Kev would hang out or something. But we could go on the buses and the subways by ourselves. Nobody was going to bu- No one was kidnapping kids. The pedos weren't out in full force then. I mean, maybe something unusual would happen once in a blue moon, but it was not normal. But it was, we had, we had so much freedom as kids because, number one, our parents told us how to take care of ourselves if we got into any kind of trouble. Number two, we knew better. We kind of knew what the boundaries were. Yeah. And, 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 and then we, and our parents, you know, we had to, we, look, I grew up with a strict disciplinarian set of parents. But at the same time, we had an extraordinary, by today's standard, amount of freedom. Well, if you, um, Look at the statistics realistically, things haven't changed all that much crime wise. There, there do seem to be a lot more crazy people riding the subways, and I probably wouldn't let my kids ride the subways. I've seen too many videos. But again, that's the impression that you get. Um, you, The media has changed, and they focus more on things, and they give the impression of, oh, there's everybody, there's out in every bush, there's some pervert ready to steal your kid. Yeah, there are perverts out there, and there some will you know do horrible things, but statistically they haven't really increased all that much. The crimes, vast majority of crimes, except for the last couple of years, uh, with the Soros prosecutors refusing to put people away, allows for a lot of recidivism. The crime hasn't really gone up all that much. Um, you, 
did I bet you occasionally you came across somebody who was crazy when they yeah. were when you were riding on the subway when I was living in Baltimore I'd go to the laundromat and uh, uh, on probably every fourth time there was one of those guys doing the heroin lean in there oh yeah like, oh yeah that guy's gonna fall down that guy's gonna fall down and you're like oh my god that guy defies gravity it's like <laughs> Superman is is a junkie because he can defy gravity here uh, but it wasn't the norm but if I I if you knew me, every time I went to the laundromat and saw that, I told you about it. So you would have had the impression that this guy basically lived at the laundromat, and every laundromat in Baltimore was issued a junkie to do the junkie lean. The media covers things that fit their narrative, and their narrative you know, its political. It definitely is political, but it also is about ratings. They're businesses, and they become more and more interested in ratings and less and less. But, Derek, you got to admit, though, things have changed. But, look, there's this case in New Jersey, These four, this little girl, 14 years old. I mean, I hate this. Committed yeah. suicide. She was beaten to a freaking pulp by these, these, these fellow teenage kids. The sad now, thing is that uh, I didn't watch the video of the attack. I, didn't, I don't need to watch it. I don't want to watch it, but I've read descriptions of it. And it, it seems as though it was filmed from the very beginning, even before the beginning, the person coming up behind her and sucker punching her with the water bottle in the face, which means it wasn't an, an argument that escalated. It was a planned attack. Not only it was thought through by the person who started it, but that person thought through it to the point that they told others they were going to do it so it could be filmed from the get-go, because otherwise, why would you be filming randomly walking down the hallway and just capture this? That lack of disciplining, serious disciplining of uh, significant suspension, if not expulsion, of not only the instigator, but all the people who jumped in, because you have to assume they knew it was coming, too, uh, caused that situation to be much worse. And the, you know, they should have frankly probably suspended anybody who filmed it too and deleted the video of it because they maybe downloaded it for evidence, but certainly not allowed it to be posted online. That is uh, another level of sickness in this society that we have to break kids of that if it didn't, if you don't show it to the world, did it really happen? If you don't take a, you know, it started with, I have to take a picture of every piece of food I eat and post it online just because everybody, you know, did I really eat a meal if the world doesn't see it on my Instagram? And now it's your every thought and it's everything. And now just imagine beyond this, beyond reality, as these deep fakes come into being, yeah, you can deep fake an actor or a politician or somebody famous doing or saying something. But the malicious kids who continually gotten away with the next step up in whatever act of bullying or whatever they do in schools. And I'm not against bullying per se. It's just when it goes too far. Um, I'm not against that, bullying per when, se, he when says. That, when, when that kid learns to make deep fakes with their fellow students, just imagine, you know, the, the reality that they post, that they manipulate online and post videos online, um, when they can post deep fakes of their fellow students or teachers, then all hell's going to break loose. Now, I well, that day is right around the corner because the, the technology, we got to do a break. That technology, Derek, is here now, and so that's right around the corner.
James go okay, we're, we're going to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk to you about Valentine's Day, and I have a suggestion for, I don't know whether it's for you, but I have a suggestion for guys what you can do for Valentine's Day this year that will be special, very special. And I just discovered it this morning during show prep. So James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly here with you, WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and we're coming back right after this. Bird Baccarat music. Oh, breaking up is so very hard to do. If you really love him and there's nothing I can do. The Walker Brothers, Dion Ward did this as well. Tell me that we're through and make it easy on yourself. Bird Bacharach, Hal David, James Golden on WABC Talk Radio 77. We are headed into Valentine's Day in just a few days, and we have the guys here this morning. Derek Hunter, of course, is here with me. We haven't even gotten into real except for the vaccine story yet. Been talking about other things. The New Jersey restaurant that banned children under the age of 10. These four teenage thug hoodlums that beat this poor girl to a pulp. She ended up committing suicide. The superintendent of schools then saw fit to call to talk to the uh, the Daily Mail and trash the girl and her father. It's uh, uh, unconscionable. I just don't understand that. But, as I said, we've got Valentine's Day coming, so I want to do a quick poll. Derek, you'll be the last one I get to on this one because I want to talk to you about a product that I discovered this morning that some of you guys might want to consider as a Valentine's Day gift. But first, let me just ask, let's start with you, Scott. Are you planning on doing something special for the wife for Valentine's Day, and have you pre-planned? Have you already figured it out? I think so, yeah. Yeah, most of it. And when do you start thinking about this? Is it just like a... Uh, during the this week, I guess. Are you going to wait till the last minute to spring it? Uh, To spring it? I mean, to actually go buy whatever oh, yeah. it is that you... Yeah, 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 probably Monday, yeah. Mm, okay. All right. Avery, are you... Uh, uh, you know it's Valentine's Day this week. You got something special lined up for the woman of your dreams? Uh, no, I'm I'm real bad at Valentine's Day. 
So I manipulate the situation so I don't have to go through Valentine's Day. What the hell does that mean, Avery? <laughs> I, I break up on the 13th and then, like, make up on the 15th. You start that argument on the 13th, and then, and then on the 15th, you're like, baby, why we keep doing this? You come on back with, you know, that's how you beat all that. He has life figured out. Just completely has life figured out. And, and she's not wise to it. She doesn't know she's being manipulated. What can she do? <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> it's, it's, it's the game of life, Diego. You're yes. Mr. Romantic. You're a songwriter. You are. You are. <laughs> you're, you're a musician, a performer, as well as everything else. You're a romantic. Yes. How do you do? How do you deal with Valentine's Day? Uh well, this year I don't have a special someone just yet. I'm in the what is it? Three days till. <laughs> the day so i don't know what can happen till then but um i like i like taking someone out to dinner and then i like um giving flowers and chocolates the whole nine i'm pretty basic when it comes to that do you enjoy it oh yeah yes i do okay daily mail has an article today about how <laughs> people just hate valentine's day and i'm like what Okay, Derek, weigh in, my man. You are happily married. You've got kids to prove it. And you, and, and I happen to know your wife, and she is absolutely incredible. And the fact that she has stayed with you and loves you, I just find one of life's mysteries. But, <laughs> Derek, what do you, what do you do? When do you start thinking about Valentine's Day? Please tell me that you do something special for that beautiful wife of yours. Uh, well, why, why is it that I have to do something? What about what is she going to do for me? Huh? With, with all these guys, like, what are you going to do for your lady? What, what do we get done for us? I am the gift, James. I am <laughs> the gift. <laughs> I, uh, I tell you, I always, one thing I do is I make sure there are always flowers in the house. There might be a day or two between when the last batch got thrown out and the new batch come in, but there's always a different batch of flowers that I bring in for her. So I kind of screw myself on that one because, you know, you could get off pretty easy just bringing home some flowers. You know, here you go. Here's some flowers and some chocolates. But if you do that 365, you're kind of screwed. Um, I don't – there are calendar reminders this is how sad it was one year. I forgot Valentine's day. Uh, there are calendar reminders that my wife has put in my phone. So I can't <laughs> see I about Valentine. She put in our kid's birthday. She put in our anniversary. She put in her birthday and uh, Valentine's day. So it's like, crap, I don't have that excuse anymore. I will do something. It won't be. The problem is, you know how it is when you're, you both work and you got kids and it's a Tuesday Wait, no, what do you do on a Tuesday? I'll do something on the weekend. We'll go to dinner. Um, but that's it. Okay, well, uh, I... There will be flowers. There will be, you know, balloons and all that. I have a special treat for some of you guys. Avery, you're going to really want to pay close attention to this because you may not have to go through the breakup makeup thing this year. <laughs> you can show that you care for your beautiful woman 
the woman in your life by doing something for her health, by making sure that you give her a treat that is real pineapples, vitamin C, a clinically studied SNZ, whatever that is, probiotic, help take care of the house. And this is all thanks to Courtney Kardashian. Courtney Kardashian has released, she has launched a new product. They're called Vagina Well Vaginal Wellness Gummies. I hear resounding silence here. How are they? Which end choose them? Vaginal what gummies? Vaginal wellness gummies. Vaginal. Vaginal. Oh. Thank you. I ought to know that. Vag. The JJ wellness gummies. The. Vaginal health is such an important part of a woman's overall well-being and not talked about enough, she says, which is why we are so excited to launch this. Give your vagina the sweet treat that it deserves and turn it into a sweet treat. That's what the Instagram post says. You know what they say. That sounds like it makes my question even more valid (laughs) and I'm more confused. But how, I want to stay away from hers because if she's but choose, look out. How do you know it's working though? Like, does it taste? Does it taste like passion fruit down there? Like, what's, uh, what's going on? You know what they say: you are what you eat. We've combined real pineapple and vitamin C with the power of clinically studied S and Z nineteen sixty nine bi- uh, probiotics. That's trademark to target v- vaginal health and pH levels. That support freshness and taste. <clears throat> the latest vitamin called Lumi Pearl. Now, by the way, just so you know, gynecologists and women's health experts are calling out this product. They're saying that there's no scientific evidence. Wait, behind wait the... are you telling me that the Kardashians do not have extensive medical knowledge? I'm shocked. <laughs> You know, I might believe them on their gynecological take just because they seem to have a lot of experience in that area. But, yeah, that's just a shocking bit of, look, if you're getting your health information from a Kardashian, it's probably time to give it up. <laughs> well, apparently you your do- love advice from Kardashians. What do they got, like 16 marriages between all of them? I mean, come on. It's, yeah. The only advice you need with the I can't make that joke. I was going to make a tie a board to your butt joke, but I'm not going to because you know too many people have fallen in. Okay, um, there is more than this. They have this this article. You can find it at Fox News of all places. Uh, and doctors are weighing in, and they are weighing in um, about the freshness, odor, and taste of said part of the anatomy. I'm not going to get into detail with that. The elbow, this, you can just say it. Okay, and the the well, this is part of her call it sunshine. <laughs> it makes the sunshine taste good. Yeah, that's what supposedly happens, and it makes the sunshine smell good. That's great. If it works, I'm with it. 
<laughs> if it does, if it's just, let me say, I'm not a guy, not a gynecologist. But if you have those issues, you might want to go see one rather than look for some sort of cover up. That's what, this sound like a, this sound like an insult. This don't sound like a Valentine's Day gift. Yeah, I don't. Well, like, here you go. Like, here you go. I love you, honey. Here's a toothpaste and toothbrush and some yeah. mouthwash. What are you trying to say? I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just saying that you, your breath stinks. It's it's some for it's some for breeze some for breeze from for, for down there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so think your Valentine's Day is going to end the way you want it if you're sitting there going, you know what, though? There is a smell. <laughs> this will take care of that, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day. Uh, well, I was just a suggestion. I saw it today. I mean, this is something that would be totally unexpected for your loved one to get and unexpected are two different things that that's a present for me (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna get a a dvd of the matrix (laughs) (laughs) you people is okay we gotta take a break i'm sorry wabc talk radio 77 um we will do politics Derek. but let's talk about trump and this Karen Tumulty article when we get back, among other things. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. It's our Saturday morning. Look, and by the way, you can weigh in. Do you hate Valentine's Day like the Daily Mail suggests so many people do, especially single people? 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848. Or anything else you want to talk about. 848-92. Be right back. politics and so much more a true connection to real new york on 77 wabc aretha franklin brings us back on our saturday morning radio extravaganza here on wabc if you want to be part of the program 800-848-9222 Derek hunter is with us the columnist the author, the radio talk show host himself. Re Aretha wrote this and performed it. Oh, darling. I know, I know, I know. 
Now that is a true queen of soul. And I don't think she complained about the lack of Grammys that she got. I, Diego, I, I don't think you were here for that part of the conversation. After the Grammy Awards and all during it, some of Beyonce's followers, I guess, or whatever, they're all complaining she didn't win Album of the Year. This woman has won 32 Grammys. More than anyone else in history, and they're still complaining. And as I said, there are people that can really sing that haven't won those kind of numbers of Grammys, and they never complain. This is one of them, Aretha Franklin. All right, Derek, the Washington Carantumlachies basically going through everybody that hates Trump these days. Club for Growth, once an ally, they're gonna, they're opposed to him. Charles Koch and and other donors are lining up. And she's saying that the establishment has decided, no way, Trump, no way. But in order for this to work, they're going to have to organize really well. They're going to have to fund, get behind somebody early and choose who the nominee is going to be other than Trump and, and really execute early on this. You, you've been following politics for decades. What do you think the chances are? that this kind of a strategy could work. Find somebody other than Trump, get behind him. Nobody else has announced yet. I thought Nikki Haley was close to an announcement, but she didn't announce yet. And so, so far he's the only one, am I right, that still hasn't, of the major candidates. There's some guy whose wife fainted that announced he's, but he's, anyway, what do you think? Well, Nikki Haley is scheduled to make some kind of announcement on Wednesday, so... It was always supposed to be the 15th. I'm reminded of the old adage, if you want to make God laugh, make a plan. Um, Whatever happens has to happen organically. You've got a whole group of people who think they control the world, but probably couldn't agree on what time to have lunch. And they're going to coordinate and take I just I get that it's a convenient boogeyman to talk about the establishment as though they control everything and you're fighting and people are fighting them. not you in particular, but people are fighting the establishment and it's the brave fight and it's the courageous fight. Uh, it's ultimately who shows up and votes and who they vote for. It's that simple. And those people will be inspired to do it or inspired not to show up. And that's just how it works. It's far too early you could talk about nominee Scott Walker if you want to talk about what happens this early. Um, being out early, you burn out. That's why I think Trump took a risk going. I mean, there were legal reasons for him to announce so early, but it just seemed wrong to go out this far ahead because then people start paying attention to you and then people get sick of you. You know, once they start paying, they can't get sick of you if they don't start paying attention to you. So it, you, you see his campaign is announced, but he's not really doing much. He's done a couple of rallies. He's put out a couple of videos, but mostly he sits at home and tweets or truths or whatever the heck they call it on his thing uh, about Ron DeSantis and tries to accuse Ron DeSantis of being a groomer. So it's, I, I just I I don't see a whole bunch of bunny people getting together. They don't have the influence. There isn't anybody that I know of. I mean, that 
I guess it matters where they are, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. But if you're sitting around going, I don't make a move until the club for growth tells me what to do, you're kind of a drone and you're mindless anyway. So I I think it has to be earned. I will tell you that the more people who get into the field, the better it is for Donald Trump because he's got about 25, 30% of the vote that are ride or die with him. And no matter what, even if he insults them, they'll do whatever. They'll vote for him. They'll call over glass for him. So if you get a field of eight, ten people, Donald Trump can win winner-take-all primaries. If you get a field of three or four people, uh, that's a different story altogether. So I think more will be determined if these people really want to have an influence and try to defeat Donald Trump. They need to find ways to prevent people from getting in people who you know will maybe pull five seven percent of the vote at the most and that would do it much more so than them trying to get behind somebody because i think people would end up resenting that and not wanting to you know you tell don't tell me what to do though so tell me my advice well all right derek Look, we're going to, it's almost time for the top of the hour. I want to thank you. We've got calls hanging in there. We're going to get to the calls very early in the next hour. People do want to talk about the Valentine's Day gummies. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't uh, disguise your voice if your wife or girlfriend might be listening. If you go, where do you order those things? Because uh, it will be, be a good Tuesday. The worst <laughs> month Wednesday. Well, and please give um, your your beautiful wife my best regards, Derek. She is she's a trooper. I will, I will. Don't worry, and you have a, a great one yourself. Thank you, Derek. He is a columnist. He is an author. He is also the last new guest host that we had for us, Derek Hunter, with us here on WABC, fellow broadcaster as well. Every weekday down there in the Beltway. All right, hour number one in the can. We are going to take your calls, so if you're on hold, stay on hold. Valentine's Day gummies, immigration, Valentine's Day calls, and there is so much more in the news, and we're going to get to all of it. Rhonda's going to be with us later in the show. Oh, yeah, we got a long way to go, so stay here. Don't go away. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, and we're coming right back. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Never know whose voice you're going to hear. Noam. Yes. I the story that you did you did two stories. Number one, this this horrific story out of New Jersey with uh the these now four there are four teenagers to my understanding that have been arrested with the case of this young lady that was beaten, this young girl that was beaten and then later committed suicide. Uh it, wow. Are we, do you, what do we, do we know anything about these girls that have been arrested? Do we know anything about, and and the Daily Mail has an article I just found totally distressing, and that would be the superintendent of schools out in Babel, has been trashing the girl's father and, and trashing her in a way, talking about things that should never be discussed about her as privacy that she was offered drug counseling, et cetera, et cetera, the young girl that committed suicide. 
This is highly unusual, isn't it? Yeah, well, to make this 14-year-old the victim is just outrageous. We have heard stories that there were, she had some troubles, but what teenager doesn't have troubles? 14 years old, Adriana Cush, uh, this video goes up online. You can imagine, Bo, how humiliating this thing is. Uh, not only is she beaten senseless, I mean, she blacked out during this beatdown. It was not just a, you know, school fight that was broken up right away. This went on for, uh, like, you know, 40, 50 seconds, something like that. Video goes online. She's humiliated. She commits suicide last week. And that superintendent you talk about, it's so interesting. NBC had an exclusive with him last night. And you think the first words out of his mouth, Bo, would be, God, we are heartbroken. Because I feel that way. I don't know this girl, but I'm heartbroken for the family, for her. No, he just, he defends the school and it's just outrageous. I, I, for the life of me, have, all right, these young, look, we all went to school somewhere. There were fights in the high school that I went went to. There were fights in junior high school. There was nothing like this. People, you, it was usually one kid versus another kid that got into some kind of dispute. Sometimes they take it off of school grounds, but occasionally something would 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 erupt inside school. Somebody would be suspended. It wasn't like this this gang beatdown. <sighs> I guess this is just another indication of how times have changed and to me changed for the worse. Yeah, you know, some and I'm not blaming it all on this, but some can of this can be blamed on this two years of lost learning, of being locked at home and we don't totally understand it. We have some sense, but we totally don't have a full understanding of what this has done mentally to these kids. And I'm not suggesting that these kids are not guilty for what they did. They should, uh, you know, be prosecuted and whatever their, you know, whatever their punishment is, they probably deserve. But uh, the mental health of teenagers and kids who were in that lockdown for that two year period of time, especially here in New, you know, in New Jersey and New York, where that lockdown really lasted much longer than it did in other places. Uh, that no doubt in my mind has played into some of this. No, thank you so much. I want to keep my eye on this case with your help and with the help of our WABC, our excellent WABC news department here. Um, this is just, I don't know, this one is just so disturbing on so many different levels. And I am heartbroken for the family of this girl. This is just, this, this I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much more society on this downward spiral, it seems, how much more we can take with now these teenagers killing, basically forcing a girl into suicide, the role of social media and all of this. There's just so many things disturbing about this case, and thank you for covering it. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerly here with you on WABC Talk Radio 77. I mentioned that uh, Carol King wrote an article, uh, wrote an op-ed on Burke Bacharach's songwriting brilliance, which she says can stop you in your tracks. That is in today's Washington Post. Uh, Valentine's Day stuff, we talked about the gummies. There's also in The Hill, the best and worst states for singles. And it might not surprise you that they list California and New York as the best place to be if you are single. And some of the worst states, well, now let's see, some of the worst states. I know they had a list me. I was looking at it earlier. Some of the places 
that you may not want to live, of course, are in quote-unquote flyover country. I know West Virginia was listed as one, and as was Arkansas and some of the others. So, yeah, there's that. Noah mentioned this story in his Top of the Hour newscast as well, that New York uh, City retail workers, well, he mentioned the crime that is still going on. There is a story today in the New York Post from the perspective of the people that are working in these retail shops. And they are telling tales, their own tales, their own stories, about the soaring shoplifting that is going on, Nike stores, drug stores. One person, one uh, store owner, Party Supplies, said this is as bad as the Jenkins era. Mm. And that's pretty bad. In New Hampshire, maybe I'll hold this story for Mark Stein. In New Hampshire, students are protesting. They have decided to get rid of the urinals in boys' bathrooms. No more boys' bathrooms. Why do you think? Why? Yeah, that's right. It's to allow for more inclusion. So what they did, because people were going back and forth, so the issue, the way that they figured it out is, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll just take away the urinals so that every bathroom becomes kind of a unisex bathroom. We Folks, we have reached a level of stupidity. We have, and I promised this earlier this week, Sarah Huckabee. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Now, usually after the State of the Union, it is boring. And to me, there has never been a good speech. There have been memorable speeches. The first thing that comes to mind when I think of post-State of the Union speeches is Marco Rubio slurping down the water midway through his speech. You missed that, huh? So Rubio's talking... And, and all of a sudden he chokes up, he, he grabs off camera, grabs a bottle of water, and just <laughs> in the middle of the speech. It was hysterical. That, to me, was the highlight of post-State of the Union speeches until this week. We're going to take some of your calls, and then in the next half hour, I'm going to play some of Sarah Huckabee Sanders' speech, because it was a stunner. And it deserves, if you hadn't hear it, if you haven't heard it, you will want to. Anyway, let's take a break. We're gonna, we have so many calls that have been holding. I want to grab some calls when we get back. And then, later on, Sarah Huckabee Sanders' speech. Later on, Rhonda. And later on, more of your calls. We have more news. And Avery is here. Diego's here. Scott's here. It's like kind of a boys club this morning. And these guys, boy, I tell you, Mr. Romance. Yeah, I break up the day before. And then the 15th, come on, baby, why do we have to do Come on, baby, you know I love you, baby. I just want to be close to you, baby. The voice of an angel. Karen Carpenter takes us in. We'll be right back. They long to be 
WABC. Celebrating the music of Burt Bacharach this weekend. In the Washington Post today, Burt Bacharach's songwriting brilliance could stop you in your tracks. Carol King is the author. She writes that in 1962, the lyricist and then her husband... Jerry Goffin and she were driving up the Garden State Parkway, up the GSP, when we heard Dionne Warwick's recording of Don't Make Me Over for the first time. We were stunned into silence. We have that song. Don't Make Me Over, Dionne Warwick. I know we added it to the library this week. She says... They were stunned into silence when they heard this. If we hadn't been in the left lane between exits, it would have been a pullover to the side of the road moment. When the song was over, I exclaimed, what was that? By that I mean the time signature changes, the instrumentation, and the unpredictable chords that allowed the melody to flow over them and carry the power of Dionne Warwick's performance downstream. Now, if you're not a musician, that may not mean much to you. But if you are a musician, you understand what she's talking about here. And this was some of the brilliance of Burt Bacharach. Let's head to the telephone, shall we? Rick in Elmwood Park, thank you for waiting. You're on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Rick? Doing good, James. How you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, listen, if you're going to go down on a Kardashian, the first thing you have to do is you have to send in a canary. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, 
if you bring him back up, goodness. You got to send in a canary and see if it comes out alive. And I was also going to say this whole story gives new meaning to Glade plugins. <laughs> Rick. They're with two new products Glade plugins with French tickler and Glade butt plugins. Okay, enough, 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 enough. We're not going down the X-rated. Yeah, can't do that. Jimmy in Staten Island, how are you? I love you. That you guys, I, I'm a little angry at because I'm like you always say, have that first cup of coffee. And as I took a sip, I heard what Avery said, and I had to go change my pajama top because <laughs> you guys are hysterical. And I love the other guy. I forget Diego with the. Uh, uh, no, no, Avery was the guy. All right, baby, I'm so sorry. Let's make yes. it. Meanwhile, it's it's the 20th of February, and he got away with that. That's excellent. Now, what are they going to do with us on Father's Day? Are they going to have a scratch and sniff card? <laughs> no, no. And you know, Father's Day. You know, come on, guys don't really expect. I mean, do we, we don't, look, come on, this is a, it's like Mother's Day versus Father's Day. Really? Everybody goes all out for Mother's Day. You should. Father's Day, if you get a, hey, happy Father's Day, that's enough for dads. We don't, dads don't really, guys don't really. Uh, Scott Schaefer just sent a uh, great gift idea for Father's Day. What is that? Uh, The new umpire male deodorant spray for foul balls. This show is quickly spiraling down <laughs> <Whoa>. this morning. <laughs> I just, that's what he said. This is quickly spiraling down to a place I don't want it to end up. And it's all be, I, look, it's my fault. I, but I did not intend it for this. That can, uh, uh, Matt, you haven't heard this. And Matt is, let me explain Matt Meany, who uh. stepped in the studio. Hey, good morning, Please. James, by the way. Good morning, Matt. Let me explain Matt Meany to you ladies out there. Oh, boy. You will be interested in this. Matt is at the prime of maleness. (laughs) He has the look. He has that look. All these guys that work here. Avery, I'm the only old fart. I'm the only old guy here that's just like, okay, you had your best run. Get out to pasture. All these other guys. Diego said he's single. Ladies, there's no way that this guy should be single. Yeah, screw, uh, screw the whole Galentine's Day thing they do now, right? This is. Uh, I'm just. We should just go crash one of these Galentine Day parties, Diego. That's what we really should do. Let's do it. I mean, you guys, you guys are in the problem. Scott's married, and he's kind of in that 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 phase where, you know. He's married, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you. It, it, uh, believe me, all my friends are married that I grew up with and went to high school and college with, and I don't see them anymore. They got kids and stuff. So, uh, but we were actually uh, this week. We're, you know, we have the VIP club, James. And we give away you know experiences, uh, you know, studio yeah. tours. Um, what do we give away this week? I believe I forget. Uh, but next week we're doing John Katzmanhidi's book. But we were joking since next week is Valentine's Day that me and the, the president Chad were both single as well. That we would, uh, you know, we wanted we put, we put a New York Post ad in the in the paper uh, every week. We were going to put me and Chad up there, and you were going to win a, a double date with me and him. Um, but uh, we thought better of it. 
but I, I think, yeah, me and Diego, we should go uh, crash some Galentine's Day parties. Galentine. You know what Galentine's Day parties are? I've never I heard, heard of a Galentine's Day party. Galentine's Day is for all the single ladies who don't have any, uh, you know, uh, significant others out there that uh, they all get together and they go out together, all the girls. It's Galentine's Day. So. Ah. Galentine's Day. So, I mean, there's, you know, prime, I'm sure there's prime prospects there. So, uh, you know, watch out, ladies. We're coming for you. <laughs> well, you, you missed the story of the Kardashian gummy. Oh, Matt. no, 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 I didn't. Avery uh, briefed me on the way out, actually. Uh, yes. That's, uh, <laughs> so uh, maybe we should do, like, we should get a couple of those samples and, uh, you know. I think that you ought to, hey, here's a new VIP thing. You can win yourself some gummies. All right. Oh, Listen, yeah, yeah. I mean, win some gummies. The, the We'll try to get our hands on these Kardashian gummies, but we're not guaranteeing those will be them. So, uh, but interesting uh, little, uh, you know, real pineapple, vitamin C. Ooh, I like pineapple. That's, that's... <laughs> see, there you go, and yeah. and SNZ nineteen sixty nine, whatever that is. Season, I guess SNZ. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, and, 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 and the, the latest vitamin is called Lemmy Purr. Lemmy, Lemmy Purr. First, there was the. Uh, oh my God, this is good. I, I really like this. Lemmy First, purr. it was J Lo. You know, I went all in with that. Oh, J-Lo the booty thing. bomb. Yeah, the, the booty, booty bomb. bomb. And even I mean, bef- you could put together a. You could put together the greatest gift package. You get the J Lo booty bomb, which is expensive as all get out. And the woman, by the way, that I gave it to to try it with her husband, she was like, <laughs> "Yeah." It was like, yeah, he was he he was happy that he got the gift, but. Anyway, yeah, we, we, I'll just yeah, yeah. leave it at that. Uh, but now, Courtney Kardashian has the vitamins for your hooch. There you go. And, and then, so you got that, the gummies, uh, the, what did you just say? Oh, geez. Uh, but the other thing is the, the Gwyneth Paltrow, the, uh, the, the candle. Oh, the, the, yes, Gwyneth. What does, what is Gwyneth's candle supposed to do? Oh boy, I believe it smells like, uh, it's Lem- supposed to sm- Yep, exactly. <laughs> so it's a trio package of, uh, the gummies. Uh, the candle and what the hell am I blanking? You just freaking, you were just talking about what was the other and thing? the and the booty bomb. oh the booty bomb the booty bomb yeah there you go uh, gents if you're listening out there get out there and uh, that's a trifecta for you yeah and let us know how that works out yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> let us know how it works out okay so Sarah Huckabee yes <laughs> we're gonna play Sarah Huckabee coming back in after the half hour I said Scott you know we I want to report from you too I want to know how what you actually did for Valentine's Day. Well, I didn't do anything yet. I mean, Well, I want to know if it's going to be appreciated. I want to know, after it's all over, how it went. What you did and how it went. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Not a problem. Okay. John Fetterman is in the news still. He was released from the hospital today, and we wish him the very best. And the shameless media is being slammed for whitewashing his true medical condition as troubling new details emerge, doesn't make a difference. He's elected. You can bash the media all you want to. It doesn't mean anything. <sighs> yes. Anyway, there's a story about the NBA. This one I found to be really This one was at Fox News this morning. The NBA NBA, the National Basketball Association, I used to call it the uh, the NTA, the National Thugs Association, but I stopped saying that because that's disrespectful. 
Anyway, they find some guy, some player named Cam Thomas, $40,000. His crime was that he made an anti-gay remark during a post-game interview. So I read the headlines, and I said, whoa, he must have said something really bad. He's with the Brooklyn Nets, which still sounds funny to say Brooklyn Nets, but okay. He's with the Brooklyn Nets. $40,000 fine for using derogatory and disparaging language. That was following the Nets' win over the Chicago Bulls. The league went to great detail to announce that they'd find him. They want to score virtue points. They issued a press release to make sure everybody knew that they find him. So I said to myself, what did this guy say? It must have been pretty bad. So, here's what he said. We, so, there was a, he was being interviewed. The interviewer said, we may not be the best trade package, but we're the best looking, and the Nets need some help in that department. Someone said to him, right? And so, his response was, we already had good looking guys, no homo. And this, I guess the term no homo is derogatory and insulting and everything else. $40,000 worth. No homo. Now, it may have been inappropriate. It may have been, but to me, that, I mean, really? You find a guy for saying that instead of just slapping him on the hand and saying, hey, come on, don't, don't, don't use that kind of language. I don't see. He apologized, of course. But, I mean, really, this is what it's come down to now. I want to apologize for the insensitive word I used during the post-game interview. I was excited about the win and was being playful. I definitely didn't intend to offend anyone, but I realize I probably did. You... Okay. I think Brooklyn's rubbing off on him a little bit. Uh, that's Cam Thomas we're talking about, right? Yeah, Cameron Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. It's the grit of Brooklyn rubbing off on him, I think. I, for the life of me, $40,000 for saying that. Really? Really? This is what it's come down to? I mean, I could. I thought for a moment that he had called somebody, you know, that name that you're not supposed to call people. And he didn't. I was like, when they said derogatory and blah, 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 that's what I thought it was. I Maybe I'm living in another era. I just don't get it anymore. And then they issue a press release. Ooh, we took care of that problem. He's never going to use that kind of language again. Really? WABC Talk Radio 77, coming back. We're going to have some Sarah Huckabee Sanders when we get back. We're also going to have your call, so don't go away. Coming back in just a moment on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. It's the best part of love is the 
James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. David Bowie brings us back on WABC. Modern love. And we've been kind of talking about modern love this morning. Have you ever heard of boyfriend air? What? Boyfriend air? Boyfriend air. Does it come in like a canister? No. Oh, okay. It was like compressed air or something. No, this is a, there's a thing. And I held this article all week until Saturday. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, we, I know. Yes, we are going to do. I, I was about to say we are going to do Sarah Huckabee Sanders. <laughs> no, we're not. We are we're going to play her the, interview. The loving mood we are in today. <laughs> oh yes. my god! We're going to play her interview. We are going to do that. And we're going. We are going to take your calls. But since we're talking about modern love, Diego, you triggered this. Yeah, I'm plagued by. This is the headline. I'm plagued by boyfriend air. I've never felt so dirty. All right. I, I, okay. What I, is it? Yeah, well, this what is, is it? Now, you, now I'm intrigued a little more here. Okay. Putting on Dirty, hair. gross, and disgusting are just a few of the pejoratives being tossed around by Generation Z women on TikTok who all claim to have contracted the lamentable boyfriend air from grimy male lovers. Although not clinically recognized as a pollutant, a viral hashtag boyfriend air epidemic sees angry wives and girlfriends complain that their hair, skin, and overall hygiene becomes inexplicably ruined after spending only a few hours in their guy's man cave. You know, James, you, you said in the segment before, I don't know, you know, I knew that you may be living in a different... What the hell is going on? Are you kidding me? Boyfriend air? Like, they're complaining boyfriend about air. being around their boyfriends? <laughs> no, in their boyfriend's environments, in their nasty environments, in their man caves. They go, these are mostly single women who go to visit their boyfriend at his place of domicile. Uh-huh, yeah. And they okay. complained that once they've been in there for a few hours, the boyfriend air starts getting them, they, here's what one woman says. She says, I remember taking a full body shower and the next morning waking up and being like, I feel so dirty. And she, this, and by the way, she's got two, 2.5 million viewers Mm-hmm. on her video explaining mm-hmm. yeah. it. She says during her visits to her sweetheart's place, her hair would become greasy, her skin would quote-unquote act different, and repel her makeup. Boyfriend air is a thing because it was only in his apartment that it would feel this way. Uh, so uh, they go into their boyfriend's apartments, these women, okay, and here's another one, a college student, Shared a video of her boyfriend air nightmare. In the beginning of the post, she flashes a bright smile, shows off her freshly washed hair before hanging out with her beau. Then she cuts to herself afterwards. Her hair is disheveled, 
And she says, you know, two seconds with my boyfriend, and suddenly I have no makeup on. My face is puffy. It's breaking out. It's like, it's like an allergic reaction to being inside the apartments and the houses of these young men. Boyfriend air. And it makes them sick. Uh, this is why I have a girlfriend every other weekend. <laughs> like okay. Avery. <laughs> okay? Ladies, seriously, if this is what you're complaining about, get, get, go to another planet. I mean, give me a break. A boyfriend air? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, like just... Whatever you know, I, I can't take. We could. I don't. I don't want to go down the world of gr girlfriend air because they have a whole bunch of smells too that you know, I can't stand. It's overpowering and you know, it's just like what Max explain. Like okay, hairspray. Sometimes perfume is too much. Um and uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I like those smells. Uh, okay, but sometimes <laughs> you can get a little much. Um, but boyfriend air. You know, but come on, I mean, ladies, wait a minute. I, so let me ask you a question. Because what you're saying, Matt, is that most guys are clean and pristine, and when these women go in their house, they're dating them, they walk into this wonderful environment. What these girls are pretty much saying is, my boyfriend stinks. Yeah, because... And his place stinks because he doesn't clean it up and because it's a wreck. And, and, and so after a few hours of being in this stink environment, I feel dirty and grimy. Ill. Yeah. Clean up your house. Clean up your place. Listen... Ladies, that should be a compliment if the if the guy's letting you over his place and letting him you know be in your room oh. like that. Quite whoa. honestly, letting them whoa, into whoa, his whoa, realm. Whoa, whoa, slow down! I want to hear that one more time in slow motion. It is a compliment, ladies, if the guy's letting you over his place. Believe me, so you know, uh, just adapt. Your body will adapt. Uh, evolution, okay? Uh, you'll be okay. Uh, get used to the smells, and um, your body will adapt. So okay. if, you, if you stay with them long enough. <laughs> I'll play devil's advocate ahead, and be Deeks. like, single guy, girls over at your place, that's a win no matter what. So, yes. Yeah. So That's why I said I have a girlfriend every other weekend. They come over and they leave, you know, and that, that that's it. So, I don't think it's necessarily a compliment. I'm like, if if you want to come over, that's awesome for me. That's like not, not me you doing, you, doing you a favor. That's... The girl doing me a favor, you know? Rhonda, you have four boys out there. I can't wait to talk to <laughs> Rhonda, you have four sons. Ooh. I cannot wait until it's your till we hear from you on Boyfriend Air. You, Rhonda has already talked about living with five men. She, her, the four sons and her husband. She yeah. says it's like being trapped in a gas chamber. Yeah, that, yeah, or like a high school locker room, you know? <laughs> I still have, and James, I don't think, like, high school locker rooms, when I was in high school, the, there was the big, like, uh, the, that phase of Axe deodorant spray. Ooh, oh, God, like, brutal. Every time I, like. I smell that, and it's just, but I can only imagine. I grew up, I had three, uh, two younger brothers. My mother, you know, grew up in a house. We... A hockey player and uh, two swimmers. So you had the chlorine smell, and I don't know if you ever smell hockey equipment. It's, it's not a good smell. So, um, but yeah, I guess I'm not really helping my argument here. I'm, I'm trying to defend. <laughs> I no, guess you're not. not. Yeah. And now, actually, I first of all, I cannot believe. Let me just go on the record of saying this. I cannot believe you younger guys' attitude toward women. I can't believe it. Uh, I'm doing you a favor. By letting you in my apartment. I do really? not agree with what he said. Really? Matt, let me explain to you the way things used to work. In the old days, before you were born, 
we used to have to actually court women. There's a very, it's a very strange and quaint word. <laughs> we actually had to do all kinds of things to impress them and let them know, hey, I'm a pretty good catch. I'm a decent guy. And please go out with me. And we used to have to, you know, be sensitive. And this was even before the days of, 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 of us being told that we were so insensitive that we didn't know how to talk to women, that we'd speak different love languages and all this stuff. Because <laughs> now, yeah. and and But we used to actually have to, we put women on a pedestal. You had to put the work in. Yes. Uh, right? Now, now see, that you're absolutely right, because my mentality is, listen, I ain't putting any work in. You're going to take me as I come either way. And, I, and that's, well, that's probably why I'm single, but, I mean... <laughs> That's the fun way to do it, quite honestly, I think, is like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, settle or, or change, you know, too much about myself for somebody. But, you know, I, the courting thing I get, believe me, I, I, I there was a time, you, I am younger, but, I mean, there was a time where you would, that's how I was brought up, is, you know, you got to lay out the red carpet, you know, you really, like you said, be like, hey, look at me. But it was reflective in everything with us. If you listen to these songs, like these sweet Songs that we hear, we're hearing today from Bird Backrack and others, you know, and all of it. It was like, I worship you, I adore you, I want you in my life, you are the only love of my life, and and all that. These days, I mean, listen to these guys; they're calling them every bi itch in the world, uh-huh. and and everything. It's just like it's almost like they, it's almost like it's so misogynistic when you listen to some of the music. It's almost like they hate women. It, it's. It's bad. I mean, I, some of the uh, this. I don't know if you heard this. Uh, this uh, they sampled "Super Freak" by Rick James. Nicki Minaj did, and uh, there's this song out there right now. Nicki Minaj's "Super Freak" and James, you. I, I'll print the lyrics out. You know what? That's what I'll do. I'm gonna print the lyrics out to this because it is absolutely. This is a woman singing. All right, I'll, I'll print the lyrics out and get them for you. You're gonna be astounded, I think. But it is okay. just, ugh, nasty. We're gonna take a break. We're coming back. Your calls, and yes. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, we keep pushing that back, but we are going to, well, yes, do that. And we'll be back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. James Golden with you here on a Saturday morning. And let's head to the telephone, shall we? People have been waiting. Tom in Woodbridge. Wake up, Tom. 
Wake up, Tom. Tom, put him back up. But I want to hear the snoring. He's up. He's up. Put him on hold. He's snoring. We'll wake him up. Hey, we'll come back. He's been on hold for a while. Oh, goodness. Pamela in Central New Jersey, how are you? Welcome to WABC. Oh. How are you? Good morning. Um, in some ways, I wish I had a video of what happened to me because I'd own the town that I was in where it happened at the time. Um, I was in fifth grade. This is a bullying story. Um, I was in fifth grade, and I we had moved to a different town in New Jersey. And I was the new kid on the block. And when you're an older and you're a new kid on the block, sometimes you become a target. And then it kind of turns into a frenzy where everybody joins in. So my mother wrote a note to an elderly teacher I had saying, you know, could you give her a little support and just watch out for her? She's having kind of a rough time, you know, new kid on the block. And it was a little lengthier than that, you know, just like, you know. So the teacher reads it aloud to the class. And mocks me while she's doing it in front of the entire class. Now, what does not kill you makes you stronger. But as you can see, this happened in the 70s, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. My goodness, that is terrible. Yeah, and of course, back then, we didn't even think about suing. Uh, you, You know, you just didn't even think that was an option. And um, you just muddled through it as best you could. And, of course, my parents did call and complain. But it reminds me what that superintendent did with that poor girl, Adriana. And I tell you, I hope he ends up owning the town. I hope that her father actually sues this district for everything they have. How dare him smear this dead girl she can't defend herself. She's 14 years old. And the stuff that he's leaking about is private information anyway. It's disgraceful that a superintendent of schools would do that. It's disgraceful that these young kids would beat that girl senseless like that. And that this and videotape it. It's for entertainment. It, we have reached a new level of, of just savagery among some, And this is girls. You know, it used to be that girl, you wouldn't expect this behavior from girls, but you, now you see... You see news stories every week, group of girls murder somebody. Look at this, this thing that did um, this other case I'm trying to think of right now with the skinny man or whatever it is, slim man, and that murder that happened there. They're, they're, slender, slender man. Slender man. Thank you, Scott. It's, it's, and that was a horrific murder case where these, these teenage girls murder another girl. And it is just, it's, they're popping up more and more in society. There are signs all around that there is depravity like you cannot believe infecting America's youth. And I don't know, folks, these are very dangerous signals, and someone should be paying attention to them, especially in schools and trying to figure out how to combat this sort of stuff. Jimmy in Brooklyn, how are you? Hi. Hi, Bo. Thank you for taking the call of your show. I have a question. I've heard Dick Morris say on WABC that Trump has raised, since he announced, close to $400 million by individual donors, no special interest, because his whole point was he didn't take it from his first campaign and he will not take it again. And he's the only person that could raise that kind of money without taking it from special interest. So then you hear on the radio and in the news that Trump is having trouble raising money. 
So which is it? I mean, I tend to believe Dick Morris. I think he would know. And he actually said in the last couple of weeks he raised between, I think, 4 and $6 million just in the last few weeks. So Trump why is, is a money-raising machine, and they have a money-raising machine. They do a lot on their digital side. In fact, I just cleared my spam box. No, I shouldn't even say this, but I will say it. I cleared my spam box of I don't know how many hundreds of Trump emails that have come through because they every day, multiple emails all day long. And so donors and people do respond. He raises a tremendous amount of money. He's Look, I love Donald Trump, and the guy's still popular. Um, I happen to also love Ron DeSantis. I love both of them and very much. And I think as politicians go, you know what I'm saying? Not, oops, I don't want to get a $40,000 fine. Anyway, um, but Trump raises money. DeSantis is also a formidable fundraiser. So this is going to be interesting. We will see what happens when Nikki Haley joins the race and when others join the race. But Donald Trump has had a sustained fundraising campaign, and people do respond. Now, some of the large donors in the party are saying they're not going to support Trump. And believe me, that large donor money, though, is important. Oh, we just got a call that I want to take that just came in from Bill in New Jersey. Thank you so much for the call, Bill in New Jersey. Bill, thank you for calling. Welcome. Uh, good morning, James. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I went to the funeral last night. I served on the board of ed in my town years ago when my kids were younger. So I talked to the father, and I said, this superintendent has to be accountable by the board of ed. So I'm going to the next board meeting uh, to talk to them, to talk to the board members, because they're the only people that can fix this problem right now. Tell us about the funeral last night. You said you went. It was heartbreaking. There was hundreds and hundreds of kids from Central Regional High School crying, hugging. It was, it was terrible. Uh, it really was. But they all came to support the family. The family was all there, <clears throat> and it was, uh, it was just heartbreaking. These four, these did did any of the? Did you have a chance to talk with any of the students at the school? And what their attitude is toward these four girls that savagely beat this one, this this young girl to the point that yeah, she felt did, no yeah. other. What did they say? We waited in line uh, for about an hour, um, and uh, some people just were there, uh, just kind of not being able to talk. They were sitting there crying, basically. But <clears throat> but other people, the, these girls were known to be a problem. It's not unlike the problems you have in New York City with with uh, repeat crimes uh, going through the system. Everyone knew these girls were a problem uh, and suspended before and just didn't take the right action and, and left them there to uh, basically kill uh, Adriana, in my opinion. Wow. And I, I guess the superintendent who, I mean, this is just unconscionable, uh, going to the press and saying that, that young Adriana had a drug problem, et cetera, et cetera, and and then talking about her father's marital situation, what was the what was the if you had any conversation there with people about the superintendent? You said that a lot of people think he has to go. This is a widespread feeling. This uh, this information he released came out after the the funeral. Uh, it was five to seven. I read about this when we when we got home in the post. So I don't think anyone there knew that he was the superintendent was saying this. I, I was calling for him to be fired, and I told the father that that's what that's what I want. I think that's the only 
you know, we can't bring Adriana back, but that's the only thing we can do is people have to be held accountable. It's his job to provide a safe learning environment for those students, and he didn't. Uh, so, and then this came out afterwards, and I, I can't believe he was disclosing private information about the family to the media. I, I just I can't believe it either. I, it's it's yeah. just stunning. And he's doing so proudly. He's not trying to hide it. He's being upfront. He granted an interview, I think, with Daily Mail, and he just and even the Daily Mail, the people that got the scoop, were critical of him. They're like we. The tone in the Daily Mail was, "We can't believe that he's telling us these things." He was, t- and the timing. He was telling them this, I guess, while the funeral was occurring. It was only two hours to observe this loss, and he must have been doing this during that time. Uh, the family hasn't even had a chance to grieve. I've never seen anything like it. Well, Bill, no. God bless you for going to this. And this had to be just one of the things you will never forget, This how sad this must have been for this young Thank girl you. and for her family. Thank you for uh, covering it, James. My, yeah, I wish I could say my pleasure, my horror, that we have to talk about these kind of things and that they happen. This poor girl. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here on WABC. Let's go to Huntington, Long Island. Hi, Bill. Welcome. Oh, how you doing? Good. Uh, I want to talk, say something about Eric Adams. I want to compare him to Giuliani, okay? Now, Giuliani, he could never emotionally connect with the black New Yorkers, right? He did He did things for them, but... He didn't connect with him. He was always good with the religious people. Now, Eric Adams, I think he's the opposite or the inverse. He can't connect with white people at all. How did he get elected? I don't know. Well, I mean... uh... See, let me tell you, I have a theory about what you're saying. I think that if you look at what we see in the paper from radical voices, that might be true. Like Giuliani didn't connect with a lot of the quote-unquote radical, like the Sharptons of the world, et cetera, et cetera. I like Al Sharpton. I mean the Sharptons, like Reverend Al, who was a, a, a critic. And so they had political differences. And so other people that came forward had political difference. But I guarantee you, that really Giuliani con- connected with a lot of black people in this way, in that during his tenure, their neighborhoods were safer. Now, you may not have people that run to the press and say, I really appreciate Rudy Giuliani for doing this, because they'd be castigated by those who are the loudmouths, who have the, 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 the bullhorns, who are in the press, who are the, the opinion, quote-unquote, influencers. But there was a lot of appreciation for that. And I think the inverse is true of Eric Adams. There's a lot of appreciation for him among diehard liberals because he's certainly giving the diehard liberals what they want. Now, Eric Adams raises his voice about all the crime in the city and all that stuff. But what has he done? What has he done? What has he done to countermand what these progressives have put in place in New York? What has he done? But he talks a good game when it comes to some of this stuff. We have another story today, and Noam may get to this in the news, about the soaring shoplifting rates that are still going on. 
not about what you say, it's what you do. And the way that fired employees over this vaccine mandate have been treated is disgraceful. And Mayor Adams has done that. You're not connecting with me on that. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, our duo in the can. We're going to have to do, we're going to have to have Sarah Huckabee. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And here we are, our number trio. Let us start with a miracle this hour. Two women survived for days in the earthquake that took place in Turkey and Syria. That death toll now is 24,000. 150. 24,000. 150 people lost their lives in that earthquake. One of the saddest things about it to me, I see, um, and I've seen on social media, uh, you know, these people that are trying to raise money for it, and I haven't donated because I don't know which is a scam and what's real anymore. And that's part of the age that we live in, where you cannot trust. There are so many scams and so many scammers in almost every walk of life that you no longer know who to trust if you want to be charitable. And if you look at some of the larger charity organizations, well, hell, and you find out where the money's really being spent there, you might be surprised. Interesting, these times that we live in. But two women have survived after being trapped for over 122 hours. One was 70 years old. Other 55. It's remarkable. There are about 80,000 people being treated in the hospital. There are over 1.5 million people left homeless. You know, you compare the problems and you compare, ladies and gentlemen, the things that we fuss about and argue about in this country. Whether the big argument, and there's, and it is all over the place, whether boys should be using girls' bathrooms and the things that are dominating our culture. You know, we have so much free time on our hands that we can argue about this stuff. This is life in another world from ours. Where you have 105 million people homeless, 80,000 in a hospital, and twenty over 24,000 dead from a natural disaster. And right now, of course, there are complaints that the government is not, in Turkey, is not acting swiftly enough. But they have never, on this magnitude, how can any government act? I'm not defending them, but it, they have to be overwhelmed. This is a staggering event. In Paris, hundreds of thousands of people are coming out to work. I mean, coming out to strike, not work. It's Paris. It's Europe. Work. (laughs) And it's overwork. The issue is work. Hundreds of thousands of people expected to take part today in demonstrations across France. Because they want to raise the retirement age 
and they won't and the people there are not having it. They want to raise your retirement age. I think I read up to 62 years. Yeah. No, they want to raise the retirement age to 64 from 62 before you can get a full state pension. And people are in the streets. How dare you? China is accusing us of lying about their spy satellite. They said we are lying to the world. China is strongly dissatisfied with the resolution that came out of Congress condemning their statements about a surveillance spy balloon and firmly oppose it. They accuse us of hyping up the balloon for purely political manipulation. I wonder if they put that announcement on TikTok. What do you think? We don't care. This woman that's on The View, this Alyssa Farrah Griffin, this former Trumpette who turns out to be just a whatever, she earlier this week accused Ron DeSantis of, quote-unquote, erasing black history. Well, somebody must have showed her the facts because she had to come back and apologize. She admits that she was wrong. She says that she accidentally misrepresented him. I accidentally called him a racist. I accidentally misrepresented him and said he was a racist that wanted to get rid of black. Yeah, it's the view. What do you expect? And for those of you still laboring under this belief that was put in place by the mainstream media, Ron DeSantis signed the measure that made in 2020, when was it? In 2020, I think it was. And he's talked about this, that ensured that African-American history had to be mandated, taught in Florida schools. And yet you get these so-called journalists who act without facts, who act at the headlines from a lying press intent on sabotaging him and smearing him in advance of what they think would be a presidential run by smearing him as a racist, and then you get these little media dupes that go along with it. Well, at least this woman admitted that she was wrong. There's an article today in the New York Times from Jamel Bowie. There's no dignity in this kind of America. Over the past year, we've seen a sweeping and ferocious attack on the rights and dignity of transgender people across the country in states led by Republicans. Wah, wah, wah. Conservative lawmakers have introduced or passed dozens of laws that would give religious exemptions for discrimination against transgender people, prohibit the use of bathrooms consistent with their gender identity, and limit access to gender-affirming care. Now, gender-affirming care is in the news. There's an investigation going on in St. Louis about a hospital, whistleblower, where over 600 kids are claimed to have been mistreated with this whole, this this little phrase, gender-affirming care. We're going to chemically castrate you and subject you to surgeries that are irreversible. That is caring to liberals. And then, of course, Jamil Bowie, who I would love to speak with. 
I mean, I disagree with this guy. This is a guy that I disagree with a lot, but I actually have a lot of respect for him. He's And he's consistent with his progressive and liberal beliefs, but he's also not a dunce. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, has a point of view. I'm taking a break early so we can play a little bit of Sarah when we get back, your telephone calls, and then we'll have Rhonda too. So, a lot to go on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, including your calls at 800-848-WABC. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Minnie Riverton brings us back. From her debut album on... Well, it wasn't her debut album, actually. She had a few albums before this, and before that she was with Rotary Connection. On Columbia. Pop quiz. To the musician in the house, Diego. Who's playing keyboards? Oh, it's uh, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, you remember. I remember. Yeah, who's playing bass? You. Nathan Watts. <laughs> There's a version of this that's in a demo form. The lyrics are a little bit different. Stevie singing the lead. It wasn't finished. So to listen to the unfinished song from when Minnie and Stevie first started working on this to the finish, it's on a deluxe album that they've released now. And I love this trend in music now. But some of the older music, in order to keep the sales up, I guess, or to appeal to the hardcore fans, they're releasing... Deluxe albums that contain some of the demos and some of the unfinished versions or earlier versions of the same songs. And this album, the deluxe version of the Perfect Angel album, is brilliant. Yes, Lisa, please reach out to Jamel Bowie. Hmm. Lisa wrote, Lisa, bullying made me the tough B.I. itch that I am. Hashtag grateful. That was earlier during the week. And then contrasting that, I got another tweet, well, another direct message. The damage these bullies do, at least to some of us, lasts a lifetime. Like the woman who spoke, the, the previous caller here earlier, it lives underneath the surface even if we want to forget it. Look, I know I was bullied in school, too. Oh, yeah, I was bullied. And um, and I finally broke the chain of bullying when I had had enough. And that happened to me. I was bullied all the way from elementary school up to high school. No, to late junior high school. In my ninth grade year. James, may I ask what you were bullied about, if, if that's not too much of a sensitive topic for you? Mm, uh, no, it's not sensitive. Most of the time it was from these little thugs that wanted to take you off for your money mm-hmm. or people that wanted to because you were, like, I was always, you know, hands up in certain subjects, history and 
all the rest of this stuff. And there are people that actually resent you if you're a good student mm. in some things. You're right. No, that, no, I've seen it. And so I was bullied. And then what finally broke it for me, this little kid whose brother was one of the main thugs in school, but he was the young thug in training. And I guess he figured, oh, I'm going to prove my mettle because I was tall. I was like, you know, almost six feet tall by the time I was in um, um, junior high school. And so this little punk ass comes over to me and grabs me by the throat and give me, give me your money. And I look down at this little twerp and I'm like, I had had enough. I had had enough of this. Because I used to give up the money of fear of getting beat up, and I had had enough of giving my money to thugs, my lunch money and stuff. So I, I hate to say this because it deals with violence, but this really happened, so I guess I'll say it. So this little punk ass comes to me, grabs me, give me your money. I look down because this kid is, like, up to my chest. And I picked up this kid. I literally picked him up and threw him across a desk. His brother and a, and the gang came to my classroom. They were looking in the windows of the classroom, pointing at me. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. You just wait. We're going to get you. The teacher's standing there doing nothing. So at lunchtime... I'm like, okay, I'm going to get killed. So at lunchtime, I'm not, I, I've, I'm like, fine. I went down to the cafeteria and they surrounded me. And his brother, the big thug, yo, man, what you do to my brother? I said, yo, your brother was trying to take me off. And I stood over him and I got close up on him like I was getting ready to, I was scared to death. And he just looked at me and said, yeah, well, don't do that no more. Don't do that anymore. And they all walked away. And that was it. That was the last time these kids, these thugs bullied me. Tough guys. Real tough guys. You know? Yeah, tough guys. And you know what's, it's, it's sad, James, because that happened to you in junior high school. And I'm thinking to myself, these things are still happening today where, you know, you're talking about how, you know, the kids are coming to the classroom and pointing at you in the window and the teachers aren't doing anything. I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, all this, you know, woke, safe space stuff, but you can't have environments like that where kids are put in, you know, situations where they have to, they feel like there's no way out for them. They have adults around that aren't protecting them, and it's sad. Wait a minute, but but Matt, here's the sad thing: the reason that the teachers don't do anything because the teachers are scared too. The teachers are scared that these young thugs are going to beat them up, too, and they do. Mm-hmm. There are videos that I have seen in the past two years of kids throwing chairs. They beat one 70-year-old teacher. They beat this man almost to death, and these kids are going to do What are they going to do? The same prosecutors that let the seasoned criminals out of jail treat these kids like, like oh, okay, we'll just send them home to their parents. Nothing happens to these little thugs. Yeah, send them to their parents. You know, like, if you think that... That's going to make anything better because when they're away from their parents, they're acting like this? I don't think so. No, it's Like I said, I'm not for safe spaces and all that stuff, but it's just public schools. Even I was just reading the post here before. There's a fight in Williamsburg uh, Charter High School the other day. So the, the, the security guard got shot by a stray bullet and two other kids got shot by a stray bullet trying to break a fight up. 
thank you. I mean, like and I, so you had in our day when I was still going to school, we had a guy that was stabbed to death in the school. James stabbed. I will tell you, my first day of high school. This is a vivid memory I have. My bus never showed up. I was in ninth grade. I had been in my high school before. And it, I graduated with 800 people, so figure upwards of 2,000 kids in the school. School bus is late. I'm walking down the hallway because my mom didn't want to. She's like, why'd you miss the bus? I'm like, it never showed up, Ma. She drove me into school. I'm in there. There's nobody in the hallways. I'm walking down the hallways. And as I'm walking down the hallways, I turn to my left, and there's white lockers. And I see blood smeared all over the lockers. And I didn't think much about it at the time uh, because I was like, I'm late. This is my first day of high school. I th- it turned, uh, it turned out, it turned out later in the day that I found out there was a fight and some kid ran the guy's face down the lockers. I mean, and that was a precursor to what I would experience in high school. I mean, me and Diego were talking about girl fights in high school. It got nasty. These girls, there was a girl that, these two girls threw a girl down the stairs in a fight in my high school. I mean, and we had a security team. And the problem was there were so many kids that when these fights would start, they would just pack around the fight and the security guards would never be able to get to the middle. I mean, there has got to be some, there's got, there needs, something needs to be figured out because between the story I just told and the story that you told about bullying, nothing has yeah, changed in the past 40 years. Here's what used to happen, okay? And let me, I'll do, I'll very quickly, you guys, are, and I keep saying this all the time, now I'm not trying to date myself as your guys, but you guys are too young to remember something called 600 schools. See, New York used to have 600 schools. That's what we call them, the 600 schools. And so all the thugs, all the young thugs, when they acted up in school, in your regular school, were expelled from that school and sent to a 600 school. It was like the pre-reformatory school. And the 600 school didn't have wimpy teachers. They were stocked with men, a lot of them former military because we were in the post-World War II, post-Korean War era, and there were a lot of male teachers back then. And these guys wouldn't put up with that crap from these thug kids. And so that's the first thing you do. Isolate them and get them out of the schools that they're in. And if they still want to go to school, make them go to a school with the other thugs with some real discipline. And that, and that way you make the school safe for the students that do want to learn. But you can't do that now. And all of those policies, everything that used to work, and this is not just in schools, everything that used to work in our societies, be it a two-parent household, be it a marriage between a man and a woman, between whatever, everything that used to work in society has been dismantled or is in the process of being dismantled. Everything that used to work. We didn't have 600 schools. I grew up in the suburbs, and we did have a a kind of something similar, which, quite honestly, didn't work either uh, because there was a stopgap. You had regular school, then you had PM school, and then you had this place called Railroad, which was on Railroad Avenue, where that's, I think, is what you're talking about, similar to the 600 schools. But this PM school... These kids were like, you know, they didn't want to put them in the railroad school and because they weren't bad. They wanted to give them a chance. I went to college, my freshman year of college, and I got. I remember hearing a story in the news from my hometown in my high school that one of the girls that was going to PM school, they the PM school would come in right as the regular school was leaving. A girl stabbed another girl. that She was going to PM school, and this other girl was leaving and stabbed her. I mean, we need to physically remove these kids from, the, and put, like you're saying, put them with, you know, the thugs, the kids that are acting out. And 
you know, you got to keep them away from the, the general population, so to speak. Yeah, put them in school jail. That's the way. It, hey, I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. Okay, we got to hit. We got to do this. We got to play a little bit. We're going to get stopped by the break. We'll interrupt it. But we got to play some Sarah because I've been promising it. So hit Sarah. Look, let me just explain really quickly. I usually hate, hate, hate this idea that it's, regardless of whoever the president is, that the opposing party gets a chance to speak afterwards. The State of the Union, I've always felt, should be the president's night, regardless of whoever the party is. But I watch it. Now, I've never thought there has been not one post-State of the Union speech ever that I thought was great, that I thought was worth it, until this. Go ahead and hit it. Evening. I'm Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Being a mom to three young children taught me not to believe every story I hear. So forgive me for not believing much of anything I heard tonight from President Biden. From out-of-control inflation and violent crime to the dangerous border crisis and threat from China, Biden and the Democrats have failed you. They know it, and you know it. And it's time for a change. Tonight, let us reaffirm our commitment to a timeless American idea that government exists not to rule the people, but to serve the people. Democrats want to rule us with more government control, but that's not who we are. America is the greatest country the world has ever known because we're the freest country the world has ever known with a people who are strong and resilient. Five months ago, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. It was a hard time for our family, particularly our kids, Scarlett, Huck, and George. But we kept our faith and persevered. Thanks to exceptional doctors here in Arkansas, a successful surgery, and the grace of God, I am cancer-free. Through it all, I couldn't help but think about my mom. She was 20 years old and in her first year of marriage when she was diagnosed with spinal cancer. The doctors told her she might not live, and if she did live, they said she'd never walk again. And if she did walk, she'd definitely never have children. The daughter she was told she'd never have was just sworn in as the new governor of Arkansas and is speaking to you tonight. Adversity and fear of the unknown can paralyze us, but faith propels us to charge boldly ahead. We can't stand still in the face of great challenges. You and I were put on this earth for such a time as this to charge boldly ahead. I'll be the first to admit President Biden and I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. At 40, I'm the youngest governor in the country. And at 80, he's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state. And he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another or our great country. 
whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Upon taking office just a few weeks ago, I signed executive orders to ban CRT, racism, and indoctrination in our schools. Eliminate the use of derogatory term Latinx in our government. Repealed COVID orders and said never again to authoritarian mandates and shutdowns. Americans want common sense from their leaders. But in Washington, the Biden administration is doubling down on crazy. President Biden inherited the fastest economic recovery on record. The most secure border in history, cheap, abundant, homegrown energy, fast rising wages, a rebuilt military, and a world that was stable and at peace. But over the last two years, Democrats destroyed it all. Despite Democrats' trillions in reckless spending and mountains of debt, we now have the worst border crisis in American history. As a mom, my heart breaks for every parent who has lost a son or daughter to addiction. 100,000 Americans a year are now killed from drug overdoses, largely from fentanyl pouring across our southern border. Yet the Biden administration refuses to secure the border and save American lives. And after years of Democrat attacks on law enforcement and calls to defund the police, violent criminals roam free while law-abiding families live in fear. Beyond our border from Afghanistan to Ukraine, from North Korea to Iran, President Biden's weakness puts our nation and the world at risk. And the president's refusal to stand up to China, our most formidable adversary, is dangerous and unacceptable. President Biden is unwilling to defend our border, defend our skies, and defend our people. He is simply unfit to serve as Commander-in-Chief. And while you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is. Your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have to, for time constraints, leave it there. There wasn't that much left, but we need to get to a break. We've got Rhonda coming up. We've got your calls coming up. 800-848-WABC. I hope you hear what I mean. Sarah lit it up. And uh, Sarah is just, that was one of the finest speeches that I've ever heard that was the finest after a State of the Union. If we have to have them, at least we finally got one worth listening to. Thank you. 
Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Coming back right after this. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, aka Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Headed back to the telephones. We're going to do our version of rapid phones here. So, everybody just needs you on hold to just get right to the point. Christine in Middletown, Connecticut. Christine, Christine, Christine. How are you, Christine? Hi, James. Good morning. I just want to say that the gender identity movement being pushed in the schools and the radicals spreading nonsense, this was perpetrated by Joe Biden, and he said it again the other night during the State of the Union, James. When a transgender will give you all these rights and he puts unnecessary attention on us, and it makes my life even harder. And when I testify at the Connecticut State Board of Education against social emotional learning, which is gender being taught in school, or kids, minor age kids be medicated, they give me such a whole hum indifferent attitude too, sir. It's disturbing. Very disturbing. And you are transgendered. You understand these issues better than they ever could. But yet they think their ideology should triumph your life experience and all that you have to offer, telling and suggesting to people how they should go about this, which is to, and and I remember from previous calls, you said, look, these decisions, make them when you're an adult, not when you're a child. There's dangerous medication for children. This is not reversible. Right. These are irreversible decisions that are being made. Christine, as always, you know we love you. Thank you for being part of the program. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Tom in Long Island, thank you for waiting. Uh, good morning. It's, you know, it's basically right and wrong. They're not teaching them right and wrong. They're not teaching them that there's a consequence for bad behavior. You know, the one child is now, is, has right. now died. <laughs> But all those families are a mess now. All And some of those families were a mess before. When you have kids that, as you say, are not being taught morals, let's just call it what it is. Right and wrong. Right and wrong. Morals. Right. A right, a wrong, and consequence for bad behavior. Tom, you have absolutely nailed it. Absolutely. Clarence in Manhattan. Thank you for waiting, Clarence. Yes. Hi, Bo. Thank you so much for talking with me. Basically, what um, I say Ron DeSantis is a racist. I say that basically he's pushing by saying that, oh, he's trying to stop anti-white material from coming into schools. What he's really saying is that he's being anti-black. No, he's not. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Let me ask you a question, Clarence. If Ron DeSantis was racist, as you say, why did Ron DeSantis sign the measure that mandated that African-American history be taught in every school in Florida? Why, why would what that happen? 
what what aspect of you see you could teach something and then you could teach something. Basically, if you aren't including the Black Panthers, if you're not including Amar, uh, Amiri Baraka, if you're not including people like James Baldwin because of sexual preference or political preference or ideology, then you are not covering ask, history. Cla- Clarence, let me. Clarence, I'm letting you speak, but let me on my own program speak as well, please. I went to a school this week that was, I went to one of a, one of the most brilliant schools I've ever been to, and they had a black history presentation. You know who was on it? They had all kind of black people, but among the politicians who were on it, John Lewis, uh, Shirley Chisholm, et cetera, et cetera. You know who wasn't on it? Not a single conservative black person, not a, uh, not, not Clarence Thomas, who is the highest <laughs> serving African-American, except for Ketanji Brown now, on the Supreme Court. And so you talk about exclusions. There there are always exclusions in history. You can't teach everything. But there are a lot of blacks that are excluded from history. You don't complain about those, do you? Well, yes, I do, because I'm a conservative. I I, I complain about Clarence Thomas not being, Colin Powell not being talked about. My bad. Good. All right. Understand. If I'm saying that the guy is a racist, all right, there's obviously something. Do me a favor. You say you're a conservative, and you you're going to call Ron DeSantis a racist. And out of that, you cite look this racist thing that is so easy to call people. You act like you actually know what's in his heart and know what's in his head. Mm. How do you know know that? Actions are doing. His actions are leading Florida into a, have been the most freest state in America. And if you're telling me that you're a proponent of CRT and that CRT is good, teaching black people that they are the perpetual victims in America. Excuse me? I'm anti-CRT. Well, then that's all that he took out. Then get your facts straight, Clarence, because that's all that was removed from the AP that's all that was removed from no, the AP. The unfor- unfortunately, people like Ron and Dennis Prager and Charlie Kirk cannot make a distinction between legitimate black protest and legitimate ideology and dis- debate from critical race theory. And they can't separate it from anti-whiteness. Then why don't you help them? Then if they can't do it, why don't you help them instead of just throwing around this racist thing? Okay, because let me tell you something. This whole racist thing is unhelpful. Now, look, I can resist. Look, I'm not going to discount everything that you say. I know what I've read, and I've read extensively on this. I know what was taken out of the AP court, and they took it out because they realized it violated Florida law on CRT and on this whole idea of sexualizing children. And I don't find anything wrong with that. People shouldn't be sending their kids to school to get sexualized and to learn how to hate America. Would you agree with me on that? You're painting over with relevant issues, all right? And that's the thing. What's happening is that a broad brush... A shotgun is being is being used when a pea shooter needs to be executed or a scalpel. Okay, I'll take that one. But I uh, invite you, you to call us back. Thank you, Clarence. I, I have great people calling like you, and I appreciate your call and the spirited <laughs> and passionate debate. And I thank you for calling. Thank you, Helena. You're up next. Oh man, that was a tough one. <laughs> I was just going to say that I really enjoyed, until that last call, uh, this morning, 
Uh, I'm glad you spoke about the bullying. I thought that was important, and it was well done, well spoken, what you said about it. But I really, really enjoyed when you get personal and say things about your life and the fellows that talked about personal things, you know, relationships with their girls. And so I, I think it would be great if you have one hour maybe called the lighter side because, I mean, we get all the news crap all the time Sorry, uh, you know, from all the other stations and all day long. So it's really great when you express your, you know, things about your past that are personal and that you are strong enough and have the courage enough to, you know, to say those things. I love you for that. I love you. Thank you, Helena. I appreciate it. Carl, we're going to try to squeeze you in before the break. Because we're on a tight time clock now, thanks to me running my mouth. Carl, thank you for waiting. You're up next. Thanks. Okay, Carl, go. Right to your point, please. Speak up on behalf of the mayor. The other day when I heard you mention uh, the movie theater at Rochdale Village, mm-hmm. uh, there's also a junior high school down the block called Benjamin Schlesinger, IS-72. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to that junior high school at the same time that the mayor did. We didn't know each other, but we passed each other in the hallway. I think what the mayor should be and may be doing is taking advice from uh, Mayor Giuliani on the down low. I think that would be a good uh, move for him to be making. I just want to stand up for him. Look, I appreciate you standing for your school homie, Mayor Adams. I'm concerned with results. New York is overridden with crime. We are another story today about how retail stores are in danger because of all the shoplifting that's going on, this vindictiveness that the city government combined with the FBI did for people that uh, executed their right not to put a substance in their body. The vaccine is unconscionable. I hope there are lawsuits that follow. He may be a nice guy. I know he's the best-dressed mayor since Jimmy Walker. But is he effective in helping New York? Mm-mm. Anyway, James Golden, we got to go. Break time. WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back with our Saturday morning radio extravaganza right after this. politics and so much more a true connection to real new york on 77 wabc time for america's small caffeinated mom Rhonda schrock on the saturday morning radio extravaganza hi Rhonda. hey james you've had quite a conversation this morning mm-hmm <laughs> Oh, my goodness. You were talking about Valentine's and the old-fashioned concept of courting. And I have to tell you this. um, Grant and I grew up 850 miles apart. So when we started dating, uh, much of our dating life, uh, we communicated through letters, handwritten letters. And I have 
dozens of letters saved. I know, I know. And, and I want to speak quickly to the conversation you were having with your man club there at the station today about (laughs) this, uh, about uh, hysterical, but as a mother of sons, most of whom are grown, I'm paying keen attention. That whole thing of boyfriend air and the disgust, it's such a lack of respect. And personally, I would like those girls to stay far away from my sons. One of the greatest things that my husband has done for our sons in preparing them for marriage is the, is demonstrating this incredible respect for their mother. And because of that, they have a respect for me and they respect other women. I want them to respect women, but I want women to respect them too. Mm-hmm. It's so dangerous when we try to domesticate men, and by domesticate, I mean stripping their masculinity away from them. I don't mean knowing how to do household things. Our sons leave our house knowing how to clean a toilet, wash the dishes, cook a few things, and they're grateful for that. So I don't mean that. But my boys, they burp, they fart, they hit each other, they bring in uh, dirt, they throw firecrackers out the window. That's their signal to each other. I need you at the house. I, I mean, they're rough and tumble, and I loved every minute of it. Okay. And so, Matt what, Meany, our program director, is actually here, and he wants to say a few words with you, Rhonda. Hell, me, Rhonda. That's how I called, picked up the phone before. <laughs> how are you, Rhonda? Hey, I'm good. How the, are you? Good, good. So I'm I'm a, I'm one of three boys, and uh, no, nah, the burping, farting, bringing in dirt, and everything. Uh, you, you're that does all sound uh, accurate. Um, <laughs> But uh, you know what's interesting, too, is there was a study in the U.K. that was uh, brought to my attention by Judge Jeanine Pirro uh, that they did a study, and it turns out that single guys apparently only change their sheets three times a year at max. So that's one of the things that I knew growing up was making your bed, making sure you clean your sheets and whatnot. So that uh, might be the source of some of the boyfriend air. That may be it, uh, James. I have to agree. Well, so that you could tighten, you could tighten up. Absolutely. As a girl who does like things that smell good, you ought to change your sheets. Here's one for you. This is, now I don't think this is my boys, but some guys, you know, they just leave their dirty underwear on the floor and they think it's an inventory system. Four on the floor means there's three in the drawer. (laughs) 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 That I probably draw the line at. (laughs) But anyway, I loved having boys. I never felt sorry for myself. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, James, I do have an essay that I want to read, and then I'm going to give you a little story quick to illustrate it, and then I want you to give me a story that will illustrate it, okay? We have less than 10 minutes in the whole you, show. Okay, so read away, and let's get started. So, And I'll right. tell you what. Yeah. Or let's do it like this, because time is running short, and I want to give you fair time on the essay. You spent so hard on it. Why don't we just do the essay on Monday? Oh. And and let me just see how, because I don't want to cut you off and run out of time in it. And then afterwards, um, I'm going to put it up on the Daily BS, if that's okay with you as well. Absolutely, sure. So you just want to talk? Of course. You just want me to ask? Okay, so. I want to talk about something here. I want to talk about Valentine's Day, Rhonda. It's Valentine's Day. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you already heard that the Kardashian girl has some gummies for Valentine's. Oh. Is I'm anyone sorry. going? 
Is anybody going to look to her for actual advice? Well, I don't know. These girls <laughs> became billionaires for something. I don't know what they do. They have, and Rhonda, I'm not, I don't want to get into, you know what the gummies are for, so we yeah. don't have to discuss that, but I mean, look, there's a reason why people keep marketing this stuff to women, Rhonda. It's because some women buy it. Wow. Wow. I, common sense, is that still a thing? Do you, am I not right about this? Do you think I'm wrong about this? Well, no. I, I mean, I'm sure they do. That is just not something I shop for. I mean, I just take care of myself. I understand. I don't, I don't want to go to TMI, TMI, TMI. I don't want to get too much into this with you. I mean, this is, I feel like I'm, like I'm talking to like the, uh, you know, the, the sister, Mother Superior. And I don't want to, there's certain no. things you don't, there's certain things you don't discuss with Mother Superior here. You know what I mean? It's just like, no, we're not going there. But, but I, I don't know. So what are you going like, to do for, what would what you, you're I a woman, tell us, and you're a wholesome woman. I mean, wholesome. Educate men. Tell us what women should get for Valentine's Day. Tell us what you appreciate on Valentine's Day. Well, you have to know your woman. See, right at first when we started dating, my husband well, just thought, oh, she's, she's going to love chocolates and flowers and everything. You know what? Okay, I'm going to have to turn in my girl card, but I don't love chocolate. I don't love chocolate. I love white chocolate, but he, he mocks and snarks and says, that's not actually chocolate. I know. Racist. <laughs> No, no. So I finally, he was startled when I said, actually, I don't really like the chocolates. So coffee, oh, bring me a pound of my favorite coffee. Or, yeah, I do like flowers, but you know what, for me, okay, my love language, let's go here. My love language isn't so much flowers, it's words, words of affirmation. His love language is quality time. Uh, physical touch. He likes if I hug him, I rub his back. Uh, so how that's how I feel loved. Give me the words that tell me what you're thinking about me or what I'm doing good. His is spend time with me. Um, you know, pat my arm, give me a hug, love on me that way. Um, I have a son whose love language would be would be gifts. Probably he's incredible at picking the right gift. So you guys need to figure out who your woman is and what really makes her feel loved. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. I mean, what would your love language be? Can you identify it? How do you feel loved? And you'll be able to figure that out by how you love other people. You give gifts. Do you serve other people? Acts of service is one. Some people feel incredibly loved when somebody does something for them. Um, Physical, I'm, I'm trying to think there are five. Physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and there's one more that I'm missing. But yeah, we anyway, know what that you, we got, yeah. I can help with that. We guys know what that is. We know what the one more thing is. Oh, well, uh, of course. That's, that's a, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that's well, so, I, so that's, so. <laughs> well, that incorporates so, all of them. My husband says that, if you're, gonna, if you're talking about sex, it's just another form of communication. So anyway, that, that's a little nugget on and, the side for you. And and, and that too. Oh, yeah. I can't believe Mother Superior is talking about sex. Uh, <laughs> I, ha- I have to. I have sons, and I want them to hear about sex from us. 
In fact, when I when I was pregnant with our third one and our our oldest son was probably in second or third grade, he kind of started asking questions one night because he was getting a baby brother at his house. And so I realized I have to tell this kid the truth because the truth is like a vaccine that protects your mind from from the junk that he's going to hear at school. So I laid it out very simply in a way that he could understand it. When his dad came home from work that night, he charged it his, at Grant with his finger pointed. He said, with his eyes really big, I know what you guys do. <laughs> 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 so, James, I'm not Mother Superior. I'm not some whitewashed saint in a robe. I'm in the trenches where it's dirty and it smells sometimes. And I have to tell the truth to these boys that I've been raising. Oh, Rodney, that's the time we have for today. We'll, we're going to deal with you. Keep that essay on hold. We will get to it. I got Love it. you, darling. Thank Love you. Love you, too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. James Golden, okay, we have time for one more call. Uh, let's see, Barbara in New Jersey. you got to get your point quickly. We're running out of time so quickly. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to say, saw a video on Facebook, those videos, and it showed these children in Africa and very poor areas of India and Africa. They sit in a circle on the ground. They don't even have shoes. They're so poor. And they said there's no bullying. They help each other. They sit in a circle. And if somebody's disabled, they bring them up. They lift them up. They help them. Compared to this country, there's no bullying at all. We have too much in this country, and that's where the bullying is going on. Let me tell you, there are schools, and I happen to know of one, where there is no bullying. And what happens is the students are vetted and screened properly before they are admitted into the school. And maybe that's what we ought to consider doing as well. I so appreciate that. Kathleen in Westchester, 30 seconds. Let's see whether you can make your point. Kathleen in Westchester. Yes, those those girls are high, probably high maintenance, but those uh, guys could be using soaps that are making those girls sip those, uh, Plugins in their walls or the fabric detergents can make you literally sick, nauseous, rash, whatever. It's called uh, multiple chemical sensitivities. They should look into it. So boyfriend air may be a chemically induced phenomenon and not from the boyfriend at all. Hmm. It be a combination. Oh, boyfriend funk and chemical. Yeah, that could make for a potent mix there. Boyfriend funk along with chemicals. Yeah. Wow. And on that happy note, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) we will bid you adieu until Monday. It has been such a treat to be with you. Thank you for joining us. We love every single second of you. I love you. This audience, I love you. You guys are just amazing. And, of course, my crew, best crew in radio. Thank you for being here. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. I'll see you on Monday for Boston Early's Rush Hour. Bye. This is the sound.